1: This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Poonie. Now, crank it up.
2: So, Hollywood, for this episode, we are going to reference the two fifty list. Now I'm sure that. A lot of the listeners are like, what in the hell is the 250 list? Well, first of all, I'll let everybody know, I'm going to put a link to the 250 list in the show notes. You can check it out for yourself. But the 250 list is essentially an article that I found probably on Facebook or somewhere else where I'm going and, you know, a lot of the times this stuff pops up in your feed where it says, uh, Rolling Stones, hundred greatest rock bands, or, uh, the 10 best hair metal bands from the eighties, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this one interested did. To- this one I took an interest to because it was called 250 Underrated hard, hard Rock Bands from the 80s and 90s. And usually when you click on these lists, they kind of are like, uh, well, Dokken and YNT and Van Halen. I'm kind of like, okay, these are all bands that I'm very aware of, but are they underrated? Or are they not underrated? This list was a little bit different in that it went pretty deep. And maybe that's because there's 250 bands on this list, which is a lot. But a lot of the bands, even though I had heard of them, I knew that they were really under the radar with a lot of the listeners. So I felt like it was a pretty decent list. There are a few bands here and there on the list that are... uh, You know, a little bit more known than some of the others, but there are a lot of bands that are very off the radar on this list. You saw this. You know what the idea is for this episode. We each picked five bands to spotlight. This may be volume one of several episodes that we do regarding this list. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, 250 bands. When you list them from the 80s and 90s, you're going to get some deep, right? It definitely looks like a labor of love that, you know, he put a lot of effort into this article. I wouldn't have, right? So he obviously had some sort of creativity coming out of him and he's like, all right, I got to put this down on paper and share it with somebody. But I would tell you that if the Zeus or Tommy of the world looked at this list, they would pretty much say, I have not heard 230 out of these 250 bands. I think we look at this list. We're like, well, I've heard of some of those bands. And I think I even told you, I'm like, I think I own CDs from at least half these bands. Oh, oh, I definitely do. I probably, I didn't count
2: them all up, but I definitely have probably heard of at least 200 of the 250 bands on here. Now that doesn't mean that they're well-known bands. Some of these bands are not well-known at all. In fact, I was surprised to see them on the list. The article is written by a guy named Bobby Caron, and if I'm not pronouncing that right, that's my bad. It's C A U G H R O N. The article was published in November of 2021, and it was published for a website called Xs Rock. Uh, And I reached out to them because I wanted to talk to the guy that wrote this article simply because I know this guy's got to be a metal fan. Like you said, he put a lot of time and effort into each one of these bands. And he goes on to say, hey, he was a fan of hard rock and metal. And these are some of the bands that he listened to when he was growing up and he felt like they needed a little bit more love. And so I thought this was definitely somebody that we should talk to. I haven't been able to get a hold of him yet. I reached out to SX Rocks. I'm waiting for a response from the guy that wrote this article. I let him know what we were going to do. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to spotlight five bands each from this article. And this may become several other episodes down the road, but this is the what we're calling Volume One of uh, the first shot at this 250 list. And we won't go through all the bands that are on this list in this episode. Uh, we'll just, like I said, we'll we'll talk about the five each. You're welcome to go check out the article yourself. All you got to do is scroll down the show notes, hit the link, and that'll take you to the article. You can see for yourself. Uh, which bands that we're going to spotlight. But for the most part, I think that we are sharing some of the lesser-known bands on this list. Well, I got a couple that aren't lesser-known. A couple of them uh, our listeners have definitely heard of. In fact, probably our hardcore listeners know all these bands, but uh, I think we're sharing some of the lesser-known ones.
0: Yeah, the approach I took was I wanted to share bands that I own CDs of. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really easy because I'm like, all right, let me check if these five bands, I got the CD. The first five I picked, I had the CD. So I'm like, all right, I'll go with these. (laughs) Fair enough. So we're going to get into all this stuff
2: in the 250 list. But before we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the start of my week. On Monday night, I went and saw Hailstorm in concert. And it was Hailstorm, New Year's Day and the warning i wanted to see this band the warning right the three girls from mexico that are getting a lot of buzz in the rock world i know some of our counterpart podcasts like them a lot so i want to check them out for myself and it was at a new venue here in atlanta and i gotta tell you this new venue in Atlanta may be my new favorite mid sized venue in Atlanta now. It was a really, really nice venue. I liked it a lot. Other than the fact I had to pay 20 bucks for parking, which I wasn't too keen on. The rest of the <laughs> the rest of the venue is pretty damn cool, I gotta say. So have you heard New Year's Day
0: or the warning? Oh, I've definitely heard the warning. I've not seen them live, but I have all their stuff and I've listened to it several times and like a lot of it. Um, I've I've even said they're like one step away from writing like their career album. Like yeah. they're just, every song I've heard has gotten better and better and better. And I think the more the confidence builds and, you know, Hailstorm really giving them a shot, I think that's huge. New Year's yeah. Day has opened for Hailstorm before. So I've seen New Year's, New Year's Day before.
2: Well, okay, let's I thought start. they were
0: all right. Okay,
2: that that was going to be my question. Let's start with them. So for me, I missed the first couple of songs. I came in to their set. They played for a good-sized crowd. I mean, a lot of the people were already there at the venue. Uh, they, were, <laughs> they looked kind of cool. They're not necessarily my bang zone for music. One of the things that really, really turned me off on them was – and I hate to keep beating a dead horse and we talk about it a lot, are these backing tracks that the bands play with these days. I don't mind a backing vocal here and there. I don't mind uh, a keyboard fill or some, you know, something that's on the record, a spoken voice or something that's uh, put in there somehow. I don't mind little things like that, but there was flat out guitar. And there was a full lead vocal track underneath her vocal track as she sang. And that really, really turned me off. I mean, there were times where, I mean, you could hear it flat out. <laughs> there was flat out singing going on and she was nowhere near the mic. And it just, it bugs the shit out of me that, you know, not to be an Eddie Trunk. Cause again, I don't, you know, he's, he's more, uh, black and white where it's like no backing stuff at all and i don't necessarily agree with that i think that uh sometimes it can enhance the show and uh you've heard the conversation between myself and and jeff scott soto where he says uh certain things they use just to enhance the show a little bit so that turned me off on them i thought they had a couple of good songs uh, the warning I thought had a lot of energy. The warning, uh, put a smile on my face. Although I don't know if I really love their music. I didn't hate their music. Uh, so it's something that maybe I would like to hear a little bit more of because I'm just not that familiar with them, but I did like the energy. I love that they're sisters. Uh, and I liked that all of them, all three of them sang. they did, a. They did a cover of Enter Sandman that I think they have on a tribute record somewhere. And the way that they did it was really cool. I thought it was unique and original. And I liked their take on that particular song. In a lot of ways, uh, I liked it a little bit better than the original. But that's just probably because I'm burned on the original. Uh, But I liked it uh, a lot. And uh, like I said, I, I thought they were full of energy and just really you know, decent live. They could play their instruments and everything. So uh, had no problem with the warning. So let's get to the Hailstorm set list. So Sonny, are you a guy that likes to go out and look at the set list before a show, or do you stay away from that because you want to be surprised?
0: It depends on who I'm going to see. If it's Hailstorm, I want to be surprised because I know every song. So I don't need to kind of hear it beforehand. Mm-hmm. But if I'm gonna go check out a new band, I wanna get an idea of what they play live so I can kinda hear it first. But Hailstorm is absolutely known for playing like half the new record. They that's just what they do. Uh what's your favorite
2: hailstorm record? Uh, the first one. Yeah. That's a desert island record for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, so I went out because I'm not the Hailstorm fan that you are. I like them, but they're more newer to me, and I'm not as familiar with all their records. So I wanted to go out and see, hey, what should I prepare for in their show? And the last couple of set lists were like festival set lists, so you can't depend on those because they're, they're on stage for an hour, they're in and they're out, they play the hits or what they consider their popular tunes, and then that's it. So that really wasn't going to do me any good. So I went back to the last full on headlining show that they did. I looked at the set list and sure enough, like m- more than half the new record was in there, which is fine with me because by the way, the new record killer, I got no issues with it. There are a handful of older songs that I definitely wanted to hear and wanted to make sure that they were in the set list. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of what I want to check out. So I prepared uh, a playlist and. And uh, that's kind of what I was expecting from this show. Yeah, I didn't get that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they do that a lot too. They don't always play the same day because they look at it going, there's going to be people following us, especially if we play close back-to-back nights. So they'll completely change it up. Yeah, they really
2: changed it up. And in a way that I'm not sure I agree with, but I'll just I'll give you my take on it. First of all, let me say up front, I enjoyed myself. We had a great time. Band sounded awesome, but the last time I saw the band was opening up earlier this year in February when they did the uh, co-headlining tour with Evanescence. And when I saw that show, they came out and punched you right in the face, kicked your ass from start to finish. It was a great show. I think I told you that night after the show. Oh, they they were amazing. They sounded great. So that's kind of what I was expecting. But when they started this show. They started it, and the first three songs was Lizzie without a guitar. And Joel had an acoustic guitar for the first two songs. They opened up with Rock Show. Then they played I Like It Heavy. Then they went into Familiar Taste of Poison, which is a little bit slower of a song. So those first three songs from the set, I was like, okay, (laughs) are we getting an acoustic show, or what is going on? And I like Rock Show, and I like it heavy. I like both those tunes. Familiar Taste of Poison's okay. It's just a little bit slower for me, and to be the third song in the set was a little weird for me. Then they go into Amen, and Amen is the song that I've kind of primed my wife with, and she loves that tune, and I like it a lot, too. I really love Amen. Plugged in or acoustic? Plugged in. Yeah, this okay. this one was plugged in. So she got her guitar for Amen. It was a normal version, but it didn't feel like it had quite as much energy as that song normally has. And so I kind of said, my wife and I talked about it and we said, well, maybe that's because it's so early in the set. Whereas if you look at their previous sets, they were playing that like almost towards the end, like one of the last songs in the set. And that's a song that has a lot of high energy, right? It has the big gang courses and stuff like that. It's a really, I love that tune. So it was a good version, but now they're starting to get their pace, right? It was really a slow, sort of a slow build to get to this point. So they go to Amen. They go to Freak Like Me, Wicked Ways, Do Not Disturb, Bright Side, Love Bites, So Do I, which by the way, kicked ass, Strange Girl. And then they slow it back down, which is fine. Lizzie does sort of a solo medley on the piano of Break In, Dear Daughter, and Raise Your Horns. She does like pieces of each one of those songs on the piano. It's fine. I like those songs. It's just a nice slow moment. Then they kick back in. They play I Miss the Misery. AJ does the drum solo. Back from the Dead. I Get Off. I Am the Fire. Here's to Us and The Steeple. That's a set list. So 20 songs, nice long concert. I mean, it was a great show. Great place to see the band in this new venue. Uh, We really had a good time, both me and my wife. I just felt like the beginning of the show was really sort of weird and very slow build. And if you look at the previous set list, the first three, four songs are songs that on the other set list were almost at the bottom of the set list. So it's almost like they flip-flopped the bottom to the top on their set list. What are your thoughts on that? What do you think about that? Uh, as far
0: as the first three songs? Yeah, it, to me, it's unique. So it doesn't matter to me. I don't need the energy right out of the gate because I'm there because I love the band. If it was a new band, I would have had a hard time with that. Yeah. Right. Because I would have been like, what the hell is this? You guys aren't plugged in. Like, what are you doing? Right. So I guess if it's the first time you saw Hailstorm where you didn't know a ton about him, you'd be like, this is not good. But what ends up happening with a band like that Is for all we know, there was an issue and RJ's late or something's going on with the sound and they're like, you're going to go out. You can either go out on time or you can be 15 minutes late till we fix blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, come on, just grab your guitar. We'll go out and do three acoustic songs first. Like that band can do that, like a cheap trick or something like that. They can do that. So they do. You know what I mean? Let me clarify he did have an acoustic guitar, but
2: it wasn't an acoustic set. They were plugged in. Yeah. It was all plugged in. The bass player plugged in. RJ was there. AJ, RJ, 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 RJ was there. The only thing that was acoustic was Joel had an acoustic guitar plugged in. And so that's why I say acoustic. It was electric from a standpoint of being plugged up. Lizzie didn't have a guitar for the first three songs. She came out, you know, with shades on and kind of just you know, came out and did her thing, right? Or slower tunes. She sounds amazing, as always. She, she, that damn girl can just belt. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does so many tour dates and does it like that. Man, I hope she's taking care of her voice because sometimes it's like, how how does that not hurt you? But she sounds amazing.
0: Uh, yeah, but she's still young. So, you know, she's young, and I'm sure... You know, she's smart. She's, she's figured all that out. And what I think is interesting is how did the warning get the support spot? Because they're newer than new year's day.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of buzz around that band just from various places. So maybe it's as simple as record company support. I don't know what label they're on.
0: Maybe they're on Atlantic records. I don't think so, but, uh, it's just interesting. I'm glad I'm happy for them. Yeah. It seems like they're doing well. You know, for any young band, that's great. Yeah, and
2: I, I would say it's the right call in terms of what I saw. <laughs> yeah, and the people that were there, a lot of them knew the warning. Oh, of course, yeah, because this is, I think, the second or third time
0: they've been out with a hailstorm.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was probably this place holds probably close to four thousand people, and maybe if I had to guess, maybe twenty five hundred to three thousand were there. Yeah, that's good. Uh, great time. I just thought I'd share that with the listeners, share my thoughts on it. If you get a chance to go see Hailstorm, definitely go see them because they're really, really good live. Before we get too much further into this 250 episode, I know we've talked a lot beforehand, but you know, we always got to do this no matter what.
1: It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight.
4: All
2: right. So finally, we'll get to tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. And tonight, we're going to feature the band Jaded Heart. They got a new record coming out called Heart Attack, which will be released in the U.S. on November 18th and in Europe in October, actually. So check out this tune, the title track called Heart Attack, from the upcoming release from Jaded Heart.
0: So I actually have a couple of Jaded Heart albums because when they started out in the early nineties, the vocalist, his name was Michael Borman, and he was a little more of a melodic voice. This new guy, Johan, and he's not new anymore. He's been in the band a while, but he's more power metal. The riff and the music feels very old school Jaded Heart, but the vocalist has now made him a little bit of a harder edge. I like the song. I'll give the album a shot, but it's different Jaded Heart than in the beginning.
2: Yeah, and I think this band's been through some changes, and the other thing that's sort of confusing is I think there's two jaded hearts out there, if I'm not mistaken, because I see that a lot of times there'll be jaded heart European, so I don't know, there's a little bit of confusion with that, somebody will have to clear that up for me because I'm not hugely familiar with this band, I know that you've played some of their music on the podcast before, Here's what the band says about the song. It's a fight song about inner strength and not giving up, but it is also about being able to completely put your trust in another person. It's about someone who can lift you up when you fall, someone who can kickstart your heart. That's my crew song. (laughs) When it stops beating, it's basically a tribute to that one person in your life that, you know, you can count on when the going gets tough. People like that are hard to come by. Sonny Pooney's that guy for me. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Uh, So uh, they've got another couple singles out on this record. Blood Red Skies is another one that's out there. So check it out. Again, Jaded Heart's new album, Heart Attack, will be released in the U.S. on November 18th and in Europe for our European listeners on October 14th via Massacre Records. There you go.
1: Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock.
0: Okay, so getting into the episode, as Stephen mentioned before, we're each going to talk about five bands that were on this 250 list. It's got nothing to do with favorites and blah, blah, blah. We just wanted to talk about five bands. I happen to choose five bands that I own music from, and the first band I'm going to talk about is Heist. That's H-E-I-S-T, from the Bay Area. Heist had a bunch of buzz when I was originally trying to get into the music business in the late 80s in the clubs. I saw them a few times. They had chops, but I don't remember them being anything different than the other 800,000 bands that were out there at the time. Now, you got to remember, it's the late 80s, so there was a lot of these kind of bands. When they started, the members were Paul Holgate on vocals, Kurt Fry on guitar, Craig Truman on bass, Steve Robello on guitar and Daryl Hill on drums. I don't know anything else these guys were involved in later on because they just released the one album. For all I know right now, they're like managers at your local Walmart. I have no idea. (laughs) The album they released was in 1989 called High Heel Heaven. Had some cameos by Kelly Keegy and Jeff Watson from Night Ranger and from Ronnie Montrose. And those three names, they're Bay Area names, and they were known for supporting new talent in the Bay Area. So none of that surprises me. Heist is kind of labeled hair metal. The band has this like Bon Scott era, ACDC feel at times. They are not on Spotify. So if you want to check them out, you're going to have to check them out on YouTube. But if you do want to check them out, here's the three songs that I would suggest. All from High Heel Heaven. Loose Lips, which has a little bit of like David Lee Roth, Van Halen era flavor in the beginning, but then it moves into this like Bon Scott type ACDC song. She Doesn't Matter, which is a little more of a power metal feel to the riff, and the melody's a little more power metal too, and then Say You're Sorry, which is traditional hair metal, like it sounds like poison. So check out Heist. <laughs> And then the second band I want to share with you, and then I want to get your thoughts, Stephen, is a band called Valentine. So they were actually on Warner Brothers, coming from New York, Hugo on lead vocals, Neil Christopher on drums, Adam Holland on guitar, Craig Pullman on keyboards, Gerard Zappa on bass. These guys were produced by Neil Kernan, right? Hugo has a great voice, like I said, on Warner Brothers. So this is like, they were trying they released this self-titled album in 90 people talk about them like as a heavier version of journey. They most likely strike gold. If this releases in like 85, the band tried to survive in the mid nineties by a band name change. They changed their band name to open skies. Most likely they wanted to avoid being connected to hair metal, but that band didn't last either. But get this skies was spelled S K Y Z. So, <laughs> Let me give a tip to Valentine if they're listening. If you want to not be connected with 80s hair metal in the mid-90s, you can't spell your band name with a Z. Like, you're just basically telling people you were from the 80s. So if you want to check them out, they are on Spotify under Valentine and under Open Skies, S-K-Y-Z. They released a album also called Demos from the Attic, which is not on Spotify. And it was filled with tracks that they were trying to release a second album on that never got anywhere. They did release a couple of new singles though, about a year ago, called Heart of the City and Sandy, if you want to check those out on Spotify. But from that initial album, Valentine, the self-titled release, I would give you three songs to check out. Running on Luck Again, which is on my Vegas playlist, love that song. Where Are They Now? Which any song that starts with cowbell and keyboards is a winner for me, and it's got radio hit written all over it, and then Too Much Is Never Enough, which sounds like 7,800 Bon Jovi Fahrenheit. got a Journey feel to them, but I want to get your take on these two bands. What'd you think?
2: All right. So I think it's going to be a theme as we go through a lot of the bands on this list, not just yours, not just mine, but overall the 250 list is a lot of this music has a really demo-y sound to it, which is tough for me these days. And when I say demo-y sound, I mean like a shitload of reverb on the vocals, basically. And it just, it, it becomes a tough listen from that standpoint. Heist, to me, I listened to all the songs you recommended on both Heist and Valentine. I actually listened to the full Valentine record. I'd never heard of Heist. I actually had heard of Valentine. I think out of the two bands, I prefer Valentine a little bit more. Heist was okay, but at some point, this sounds weird coming from me because I usually really don't mind that Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, ACDC rough vocal thing. But for whatever reason, the Heist vocalist at some point starts to wear on me just in the three songs that I listen to. And there's a couple of choices that he makes in the vocals that I really hated for whatever reason. Like, I don't know, there were a couple of screens in there or something that I was like, why and what was that? So I don't know, but overall, both of them are okay to listen to. It's just for me, I preferred the Valentine a little bit more. That's how it rolls down for me. All right. So getting to my first couple of choices. And when I put my list together, I didn't go as deep as is Sunny Sunny's is pretty deep I definitely have a couple of bands that are less talked about on my list, and we'll get to those. But the first two bands I'm going to talk about, I would say, are probably more well-known than a lot of the bands on this 250 list. And I knew when I was putting my list together, I was like, I was like Hollywood probably not going to like any of the bands I throw on here. Or if he does, it's going to be like maybe one, maybe even two at most. Uh, and I knew that, and that's okay. Sonny and I have different tastes, and my taste is usually the better Taste. But anyway, (laughs) so the first two bands we're going to spotlight here. The first one is a band called Dirty Looks. So Dirty Looks was originally from Pennsylvania. They moved to California to be part of the 80s metal movement. The band released the following albums in the 80s. They released Dirty Looks, In Your Face, I Want More. Cool From The Wire and Turn Of The Screw. Cool From The Wire and Turn Of The Screw were probably the more popular records for them. Those are the ones that kind of broke them. If you like that ACDC sound, I mean... That's what these guys are all about. They sound like ACDC. They're still together today. Although the lead singer, Henrik Ostergaard, he died back in 2011. So they've had Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys filling in and doing the vocals for this band. But I like this band and it's really, it's not a stretch for me since I'm a pretty big ACDC fan. But three songs I'll give folks to listen to is... One, Getting Over, two, It's Not The Way, and three, Love Screams. Check out those three songs, although I'll tell you, if you like ACDC at all, there's no reason why you shouldn't like Dirty Looks. Get into the second band and then Sonny, I'll come back to you and get your uh, criticism because I know it's coming. Uh, <laughs> so the second band I'm going to spotlight is Fastway. I know most of the people that listen to this podcast have probably heard of Fastway. So for me, they had one of the best debut albums of the early 80s, right? It was the self-titled record. The reason it's called Fastway is because originally the project was Fast Eddie Clark, from Motorhead, and Pete Way from UFO coming together. Well, they came together. During the recording, Pete Way was always wasted, never showed up. He ended up leaving the project before it even got completed. They had vocalist Dave King. At the time, he sounded very much like Robert Plant. Anyway, the band ended up doing several albums for CBS Records, but I always tell people, go back to the first album I would tell you, listen to Easy Living, Say What You Will, which most people would know if they've listened to rock music, and then go to the soundtrack for the movie Trick or Treat, because there's a lot of great songs, which essentially, that's a Fastway record. And Trick or Treat, the title track, is a really great record. But I'm telling you, man, I saw them live. I saw them open up for Rush on the Grace Under Pressure tour. They were killer. Just a great debut record. I love, love, love Fastway. And they've put out some recent stuff that actually is decent. Of course, who's in the band now, Fast Eddie Clark, No Longer Alive, Rest in Peace. Dave Shirley's moved on to uh, Front Flog and Molly, and he's been doing that for a long time. And of course, Pete Way, he never came back to the band when he left early on. Go
0: ahead. Give it to me. Dirty looks and fast way. Okay. Let me start with dirty looks. I have no dirty looks music in my catalog at all. So that song getting over, I had never heard it. I send you a text. I'm like, are you talking about get off? Are you talking about getting over? So you go, oh, that one's not on Spotify. Go to YouTube. Get off is a better song. Getting over is not good. The, I remember it's not the way. Cause I'd heard that before. I remember thinking it was an accept song. And I didn't like it thinking it was an accept song, and it didn't change my mind. Dude, this whole thing about if you like ACDC or like Dirty Looks, that is not accurate. Not at all. I like AC/DC. I don't like Dirty Looks. So how do you think
2: Dirty Looks differs from ACDC in terms of sound? They're worse.
0: <laughs> Period. Uh, they don't know how to write songs. Comma. They suck.
3: Period. Whatever.
1: It's the best preschool in the area.
3: Really? Is that the one where they make him dress in the little shorts and hats like the guy in ACDC? Yeah. Why does he wear that outfit? Because he rocks.
0: All right. Fastway. So Fastway came onto my radar trick-or-treat movie. So, right? Got Gene Simmons. I'm watching the movie. I'm like, man, who is doing this music? And then went into a rabbit hole of Fastway stuff. I love everything Fastway. Have everything... Always love the songs. The Trick or Treat song's great. Say What You Will is a goddamn rock classic. And if you haven't heard it, you should go hear it because it should be as big as pretty much any bad company classic there is out there. Say What You Will should be in line with those type of songs. It's a great song. So I really like Fastway. Hate Dirty Looks. Yeah, I'm actually surprised you love Fastway. Cool. Good. <laughs> All right. Move on. All right. So a couple more for me. My third choice was a, a lady called... Chrissy Steele. I guess she's named Chrissy Steele. I don't think she's called Chrissy Steele. Uh, From Canada, she released an album called Magnet to Steel in 1991. It's supposed to be like a Lita Ford-esque type of album with much, much better vocals. I love you, Lita, but Chrissy's way better. She was on Chrysalis, but the album didn't do that well. One, it's 1991. Two, Chrysalis is not like the most ethical record company from what we've heard. And we don't know if any record company was really being ethical at that point, but Chrysalis doesn't have a great reputation. So I don't know if this album had a chance at all in breaking through. Also, when you listen to the vocals, man, Chrissy can sing, but man, does she push the rasp in some of these songs. It's good catchy stuff though. And the album is on Spotify if you want to check it out. I would suggest these three songs, the title track, Magnet to Steel, which uh it's got a little bit of a bluesy flavor to it, and it feels like a Desmond Child type song. Love You Till It Hurts, which just completely punches you in the head. And Armed and Dangerous, which is like a good mid-tempo song with a great chorus. Now, Chrissy's trying to make a comeback, but she's changed her name to Christina Southern, and there's a new single on Spotify called Insidious, and I can tell you... uh Let's just say it doesn't sound like 1991 let's just let's just put it that way uh, is we'll, it rock we'll let her make her come back I wouldn't even say it's rock so okay. we'll let her make her come back the way she wants to how about that fair enough <laughs> Four choice is a band called Alias. So you may have heard of this band. They technically have two albums, one self-titled, one's called Never Say Never. And they are also from Canada. And Alias was a super group. So it's three members from Hart: Roger Fisher, Steve Fawson, and Mike DeRosier. And then two members of Sheriff, Steve Demarchi and Freddie Kersey. They released their self-titled album in 1990. We all know about Heart, so we don't need to talk about Heart. But Sheriff after years and years of like disappointing sales and tours actually broke through with a number one hit with when I'm with you, but it got to number one after it was re-released in the U S four years after its original release. So Sheriff had already given up on tours. So when they have this number one, Freddie and Steve are like, well, let's get the band back together. And the rest of the band didn't want to get back together. So they go and form alias with these heart guys. I would say it's like a hard rocking version of survivor or journey. Which I love. Alias had a number two hit with the ballad More Than Words Can Say. Awesome ballad. By the way, Love Takes Time by Mariah Carey kept them from the number one spot. They recorded a second album, but grunge comes, kills everybody off. They sit on it for 17 years and released the second album in 2009. And like I said, it's called Never Say Never. Both are on Spotify. Here's the songs I would tell you to check out. Say What I Want to Say, which is the opening track on the self-titled song which you'll know right out of the gate. These guys know how to write a song. Haunted Heart, which also is off the self-title. Excellent chorus, great song. The single did well. It's like a ballad to bombastic type. And Woman Enough, which is off of Never Say Never, which is the opening track, good keyboard and guitar mix, very melodic. And I'll tell you, Freddie's voice is absolutely beautiful. That first Alias album, Desert Island for me. Don't know if you'd ever heard of these two bands. Tell me what you know. All right. So, yes,
2: I was familiar with both of these names. Chrissy Steele, I had never checked out. So I really didn't know much about her other than her name. Uh, so that one was sort of new for me. I listened to that Chrissy Steele, and actually, I really liked it a lot. Uh, I'm not sure what it is with Hard Rock and Women from Canada, because she sort of fits into that Lee Aaron mold, along with a few others there from Canada, but that one was a new one for me. And I got to say that one was a pleasant surprise. Whenever I see Magnet to Steel, for whatever reason, I always think of the song, I'm your magnet and you are my steel by Walter Egan, which is absolutely completely different than what this is. But yeah, I mean, I would liken Chrissy Steel to sort of like a Soraya, maybe. Uh, Would you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I dug that. Alias, I remember going to an actual album release party for this Alias record when it came out. And there was something about them at the time that didn't really hit me. I want to say, well, I'll tell you what it is, because I listened to them again, and it's the same thing. It's just this time I was able to pinpoint it. So, yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think they're like maybe a harder version of Survivor. I wouldn't necessarily say Journey, but sort of the same wheelhouse. I know there's a lot of the Melodic Mafia people that love Alias and love this album For me, the problem is it's too keyboard heavy and they don't mix the guitars loud enough. Not on everything, but on a lot of it. So it's a little bit too much on the lighter side for me. That's why it's not sticking with me. And that's why I don't play it on the regular because it's just not heavy riffage enough and they don't mix the guitars loud enough for me. But I understand why people like this band. It's just too melodic for me, I guess.
1: Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it.
2: All right, so let's take a quick break for the Loud Minority Facebook group. We're starting to get a lot more members in. I think Sonny's been inviting everybody he knows lately because they've been showing up, and that's great. It's a private Facebook group for you, the listeners That way, you're free to come in and discuss the podcast episodes, discuss music. We keep it pretty much dedicated to the podcast, so we don't really want people coming in and promoting other things. It's really for the purpose of the Grown Up Rock podcast. A lot of times, we have subjects and episodes that we like to get the listeners involved with, so Sonny will post questions, and uh, we'll go from there. So, yeah. Yeah. If you're a Facebook user, come over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and become part of the group. For the most part, everything in there is pretty positive. We don't get too negative, And everybody that we seem to have in there is pretty cool about things. So that's one thing that I would share. With you guys. That's my public service announcement. Of course, you can always help out the podcast by going to Apple Podcast or Podchaser and leaving us a five star review. The more reviews we get, the better it helps out the podcast because it helps us out in the algorithms to get into people's feeds. That's it. We appreciate it. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. These next couple of choices are definitely bands that are a little bit under the radar. So the first one I'm going to talk about is a band called McQueen Street. They released their self-titled album in 1991. Hey, Sonny, you know what? I dug up a picture when I worked at the record distributor of myself and McQueen Street when they came by for a visit before playing a local club downtown. And I was able to dig up that picture, and it was on this first record. So that's when I first heard of McQueen Street. They made a name for themselves in a time when traditional hard rock and metal were starting to be displaced at the top of the charts. That's an understatement. Uh, They received some airplay on MTV, although I will tell you I don't ever remember seeing them on MTV. Tragically, drummer Chris Welsh died In 1994, I think he was killed in an auto accident, if I remember correctly. I like this band a lot. Basically, the songs that I would suggest you listen to in terms of McQueen Street would be off that debut record. And I would start with When I'm in the Mood, Women in Love, and My Religion. The second McQueen Street record is... There's some good stuff on it, but it's definitely a little bit different than that original debut record. I just hold on to the debut record. I still have it in my collection. I still listen to it every so often. I really like that McQueen Street debut record. Second band, and then I'll come back to you, Sonny, is Roxanne. Now we've talked about Roxanne on this podcast before as it relates to the Mork episodes that we do, the Monsters of Rock Cruise episodes that we do, because we all saw them at the pre-party on the Monsters of Rock Cruise. I think 2019 was the year that we saw them at the pre-party. And I really liked them. I mean, I had the record. That's another thing. So let me give you a background on this band because they released their debut record in 1988, and then basically you didn't hear from them again until 2018. So they really took uh, hiatus to heart. (laughs) They released Radio Silence in 2018. If you go back to their debut record in 88, it's not a whole lot different than the um, latest record in 2018, although the record Radio Silence 2018 certainly sonically sounds a lot better. But both records have a lot of great stuff on it and live. They were really, really good live. They were actually a surprise for me live. Their vocals are killer live. And you can definitely tell, like, they pay a lot of tribute to Queen. A lot of certain uh, guitar lines and some of their songs are very, very Brian May. And their vocals, a lot of their vocals are definitely Queen. They even have sort of a funky element to some of their songs, which, of course, Queen had that as well. So Roxanne, I would tell you to check out these songs, Cherry Bay, which is from the first record, and then Bad, which is from the uh, latest record, Radio Silence, as is Someone to Kill. Those three songs, they're just an interesting band. And to me, they sound a little bit different than a lot of the bands that were out at this time so check out Roxanne.
0: Sonny, what are your thoughts on these two bands? So I own all the stuff from both bands, which is just a few albums. But Queen (laughs) Street, so I'm listening the other day, right? So I listened to When I'm in the Mood, then I forwarded to Women in Love, and then I forwarded to My Religion, and I had it on shuffle in that album. And when My Religion ended, I forgot to go like change it to another album. Uh And the ballad Time came on. Oh my God. Is that ballad brutal? <laughs> brutal, Dude, know. this guy's vocal is so grating. He should not be singing ballads. So bad. My favorite out of all those are probably Women in Love. The rest of that album was mad to me, to be honest. Yeah. Roxanne. Dude, I cannot get enough of Roxanne. I've been listening to these two albums for the last week and a half. For whatever reason... I heard super bad when you said you were going to play it. I listened to it. I'm like, I don't listen to enough Roxanne. And I've been listening to them for 10 days straight. I love the earworms. I love the funk. To me, they took the parts of Queen that I like and left the parts of Queens I don't like, which is the musical theater is completely gone. And I didn't want that in this music. So they feel more like extreme to me than they do Queen because extreme kind of ended up doing the same thing. Which And there is a little bit of funk to it. I think Radio Silence has a lot more funk than that original album. But my God, the vocals on these two records are amazing. I love everything about both albums. It's so good. And they pull it off live. And they pull it off live. Now, every song is not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But man, does it give you such a happy feel. Yeah. And they're just fun. Their music is fun. It's like the first two extreme albums. They're just fun. And, you know, Extreme went to three sides of our story. I'm like, what the hell, guys? What are you doing? You got all depressing. Like, go back to the fun. <laughs> I'm glad I don't worry about
2: ballads because I'm not sure I've,
0: I'm not sure I've oh. ever heard that time ballad. Oh, my God. Yeah, go put it on later. You'll throw the CD out the window.
2: I don't need to. I'm good with one, when I'm in the mood, women in love, my religion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So my last choice today, we are going to talk about a L.A. band called Shark Island. So... Shark Island debuted their major label album, which was on Epic, called Law of the Order in 89. So this band was one of those regular bands on the Sunset Strip, but just couldn't turn the success in the clubs into album sales. The original lineup was Chris Heilman on bass, Greg Ellis on drums, Spencer Surcombe on guitar, and Richard Black on vocals. And if Richard Black sounds familiar, he was the singer in the supergroup Contraband with Tracy Guns and those guys. Also, it's rumored, and there's some stuff on YouTube you can watch that proves this rumor to be true, that Axel Rose stole all his moves on stage from Richard Black. So Shark Island, they were named something else before, but they were already in the clubs when Guns N' Roses was coming up. So it's possible that he kind of ripped his moves, but, you know, go look on YouTube, find out for yourself. Law of the Order. Their fans loved it, but it didn't get much promotion, so it just kind of died before it even got started. Shark Island's been through a bunch of different lineups. They've tried to come back a couple of times. They've got a couple of albums out there, uh, like Gathering of the Faithful released in 2006 and Bloodline that released in 2019. But they also had a couple of songs in movies, including Bill and Ted's excellent adventure soundtrack. So most of this stuff is on Spotify, so you can go check it out. Here's the three songs I would tell you to try. Somebody's Falling, which is off of Law of the Order. Get Some Strange, which is also off that same album. Somebody's Falling is like a L.A. Guns feel. And Get Some Strange is really got that L.A. sleaze to it, but it's very listenable. Dangerous, which is off the Bill and Ted's Exod Adventure soundtrack, you can tell they back off the sleaze and do kind of a more straight ahead song. And it's got a little more mass appeal. sure you had heard of shark island before yeah
2: absolutely and i went and checked out the youtube video and yeah i can definitely see where <laughs> <laughs> i can see where that's a thing for sure you know but hey everybody takes from somewhere uh you know go look at david lee roth and then go watch jim dandy from black oak arkansas definitely it's happening anyway Yeah. Shark Island is a band that didn't stick with me when they first came out. Uh, I just really didn't think much about them. I know a lot of people love this band and go back to this first album as being a classic. A lot of the deep hard rock fans. I listened to this record again. Okay. So here's what I'll say. It's better than I actually remember it being, or I like it more so than I did back then. But for some reason, there's just something that does not quite catch my ear and i don't know exactly what that is i just i don't know i mean i listen to it and i like some of it but i don't like all of it and i also find myself getting bored uh with it when i try to listen to the full-on record but that's just me so i don't know there's a reason why axel's doing the moves and he's not (laughs)
0: <laughs> and there's a reason why it wasn't commercially successful that's, they didn't connect to a lot of people that's right but you know what it might be richard black because even that contraband record yeah you listen to it and it's like it's me yeah it's got all this all this talent and it's
2: just meh. i never was into that contraband record from the get-go i never really thought that much of it i thought I thought it was meh at best and i love the fact that uh when you were talking about them you're you like tracy guns and and michael Schenker's in that band and blotzer was in that band and,
0: yeah yeah but you know i don't want to talk about those guys because i like
2: tracy <laughs> <laughs> and and, it, and uh who was uh the bass player from vixen who is it jan yeah. uh, jan peterson was that her name yeah yeah uh, jan
0: yeah i think so yeah. I'm positive
2: uh so anyway all right so i'll move on to the last band i'm going to talk about and this one's the another one of those bands definitely under the radar and for for whatever reason this band and the band babylon ad really uh, they just for whatever reason they they both sort of remind me of each other and i don't know what it is I, maybe they came out around the same time and i think uh, i don't have the list in front of me but isn't babylon ad also on this list of 250 oh i'm sure it is I'm sure it is. I'm pretty sure they are, too. But anyway, this band really didn't get that far. So... The guy in the article says they were sort of a Tesla meets Southern rock hybrid that didn't make it on most people's radar. I actually think that's not that far off from the description. Uh, they have a lot of dynamics in their music where it's, it's sort of slower and softer, but then it kicks in and it's heavier. The guy in the article says if you like a good barroom boogie woogie sound mixed with hair metal, you'll probably really like Sweet F.A. I would say that's kind of fairly accurate. These guys actually came in my came on my radar because when they were recording their record with Howard Benson, Howard Benson was a producer that did a lot of bands in the uh late 80s 90s. First of all, they were on MCA Records, which wasn't a great place to be. But this band was recording their album just down the street from a strip club that i frequented often at this particular time in my life uh with a lot of my friends yeah i'm just gonna throw that out there there was that period of of time in my life anyway yesterday yeah yeah yeah, right (laughs) definitely not yesterday jen i love you but anyway (laughs) So this was definitely a period of my life. And this band was in there literally every night. And I'm not even shitting you. And I was in there a lot because I knew some of the people that weren't there. But uh, that's beside the point. Anyhow, when the band first came out, I was kind of like meh on them. But more recently, like within the last two or three years, I went back and checked out the couple records that they have out. And it's really not so bad. The songs I would tell people listen to is a song like Bad Boy off that second record, Whiskey River is a really good tune, and Prince of the City off the first record. Check out those songs. If you like what you hear, then you'll probably like the two records that they have out. I mean, they're definitely a band that is uh, under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, So they are well-deserved to be on this list. And uh, much like Sonny said, uh, who knows where any of these dudes are now. They may be your Walmart greeters at your local Walmart. I don't know.
0: What are your thoughts on Sweet F.A., my friend? So I have the first album in my CD cabinet over here. Bad Boy is meh. They're trying to do Extreme. Extreme does it better. Whiskey River at least is a little more straight ahead, but I like Prince of the City the best out of these three. Mm -hmm. They're nowhere near as good as Babylon 80. Babylon 80 wipes the floor with these guys. These guys, they just don't have it. And I think we're starting, well, not starting, but we're hitting on these bands that they got some good stuff, but it's like, it's not super connecting. And it's like, well, I forgot about them and I'd heard about them, but it couldn't stick with them. They just didn't have whatever it was because there was so many of these type of bands. That's why Roxanne so different to me because man, the vocal and the funk and the party and the fun is like perfect. And it's too bad they didn't make it because they probably deserved it. I'm not sure a lot of the bands we're talking about, like Heist. Come on. Like, there was, like I said, there's 800,000 bands that sounded like them.
2: Here's my thought. A lot of the bands on the 250, there's going to be a mixture of reasons why these bands never popped big. One is going to be they just didn't have it, like Sonny said. For whatever reason, their music doesn't resonate. They didn't write the great songs. But also, there's other factors, and it's the same factors that are for a lot of bands that don't make it, whether it's a record company issue, whether it's a management issue, whether it's a timing issue. I don't know. There's probably a majority of reasons some of these bands didn't make it. But this list, I feel like, is a fair list of 250 bands that just didn't make it. And some of this stuff on this list, like... I've heard of and I don't like, and it sucked. And I'm, I mean, I'm just not a big fan of, but some of it, like the stuff I shared today is stuff that I like, but you know, everybody obviously didn't. And so we'll see where this list takes us. Maybe we'll do more volumes. It depends. If you guys like this episode, by all means, let us know that. Uh, That way it'll help us. Uh, And we'll pick maybe five more bands each off this 250 list because there are definitely a lot of bands on this list that could deal with being spotlighted. So yeah, it is what it is.
0: All right. So let's connect it to Kiss.
4: Yes!
1: It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock.
0: So for the historic moment, Vinny Vincent Invasion made the 250 list. So we know Mark Slaughter, Dana Strong, leap to have some success in Slaughter, and Bobby Rock goes to join Nelson and then Lita Ford. And Vinny, well... If you've listened to us for a while, Vinny is Vinny, and we will leave it at that. But for all the drama that surrounds this band, they released two great albums in the 80s. Here is a track from the second album called All Systems Go, which is on Spotify if you want to check it out. And the song is called Naughty Naughty.
2: So I agree with you for all the stuff that Vinnie Vinson is and all the crap that we've talked about. I like the two records that the Vinnie Vinson invasion released. Naughty Naughty for me is a tune and maybe it's because Mark is singing on it, but Naughty Naughty is a song that I could uh, hear on a Slaughter record. So I just, yeah, I like that song. I like this record. I like the first record with uh, Fleischman as well. So yeah, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, the riff and the melody is great on that song. The solo is nuts. But Mark can't get much cheesier than this song. Hey, you know
2: what's funny is that you uh, referenced it a little bit earlier. I think you mentioned uh, Chrissy Steele was on Chrysalis Records.
0: Yeah, so were they.
2: So was Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Yeah. Uh, Guess what record label Mother's Day Out was on? (laughs) Oh, my God, really? (laughs) So I know a little bit about Chrysalis Records myself. (laughs) (laughs) and we will leave that at that
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so overall nice little episode it's nice to talk about bands and man i haven't pulled these cds out of the cabinet in a while and i was looking at you know the lyrics and who they're thanking and who wrote the songs and it it was kind of like it brought me back to when i probably got these records when i was 17 18 19 20 And I was all up into who helped, who did Desmond Child help? And in Holly Knight on any of these songs. And, you know, and then I remember thinking, oh, Desmond Child's not on this album. This album ain't going to sell. I remember thinking about that because it seemed like anything Desmond was touching was going platinum.
2: Yeah. Well, one thing I'll tell you, and I sort of hope this does turn into a series, but you and I, we both chose records that we owned for these first five in this volume one, but One of the things I'm sort of looking forward to is there are records that I used to own that I no longer own that are on this list. And I would be curious to dig back into those records and see whether I like them now, because I'm not sure. Obviously, if I don't own them now and I did own them, they didn't resonate with me at the time. But now, you know, some 30 years later, it might be interesting to take a listen to some of these records. So I would like to continue this series and do more, but uh, I want to hear from the listeners and see if they enjoy this kind of stuff when we go really deep into this 250 list, because I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff on here that I've definitely heard of that I would be curious to dig into.
0: Yeah. Any music that I used to own that I don't own anymore is in one of two places. 10% of them are in Tony's car because I would have him roll the window. He would drive up next to me and I would chuck the CD right into his car. (laughs) The other 90% are on highway 880, 680, (laughs) and five. (laughs) So the only reason I don't own them anymore, because I still got the first four albums I ever bought are in the cabinet right in front of me right here. So I, I never got rid of anything. I have all the singles I bought. I got all the 45s I bought, but anything I don't own anymore Is most likely on a highway somewhere in California because I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I don't own them anymore, chances are is because I
2: was never listening to them. I had too many CDs, physical CDs, and I needed to cut down the inventory. And so I just either sold them or gave them away. One of the two, that would be my guess. But like I told you at one point in time, when I was working for record distributors, I would come home with stacks of cds literally stacks of cds and so i just could not house all the inventory that i had and i had to get rid of some of this stuff and if it didn't get listened to or i didn't like it then out it went
0: (laughs) all right so thanks for listening let us know if you like this episode let us know if you ever heard any of these bands and uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you yeah. And go
2: check out the list. Like I said, hit that link, go look at the list for yourself because it's an interesting list. And and the uh, guy that contributed this, to this list that wrote this thing, again, his name is Bobby Caron. And like I said, published in November of 2021, the guy put some time into this list. Uh, And so I think it's definitely worth the look. And that's why we made an episode out of it. And that's why we may visit more episodes related to this list. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, And we will, I guess, come at you next week with a whole new episode. See you later.
1: Get ready to shuffle, rattle and roll. Play us out, boys.